Hello, this is Casey Powell, president of Thompson & Associates. And joining me today is Bill Gustoff, attorney, and he's the president of our legal division and a lead planning attorney for Thompson & Associates. So welcome, Bill. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. We are continuing our series on reviewing top estate planning red flags and mistakes. And this is a, a continuation of this, this podcast series. And, and so uh, we're thrilled to have Bill with us today to talk about a, a really big issue uh, and that uh, comes up, and, and that is naming minor children as beneficiaries and, and how that could be a red flag and how that could be a mistake. And so, so Bill, why don't you start off and just uh, maybe just tell us, give us an overview of, of what are we talking about uh, as, as a, you know, naming minor children as, as beneficiaries? Well, there are a lot of assets where children can end up as beneficiaries, either intentionally or unintentionally. And normally, when we in our business, when we talk, people talk with us about naming beneficiaries, they automatically have in mind their wills and trusts and things like that. So yes, you could name a minor as a beneficiary and and this is a problem with things like LegalZoom and others out there is they'll ask you who you want to name, but they often won't delve into the nuances of how you want assets to pass those people. So you might, there in that case, accidentally name a minor beneficiary who's not capable of handling assets you're leaving them. But you also have to keep in mind other assets like life insurance, uh, retirement accounts through work or your own in individual retirement accounts or other assets like that, uh, POD and TOD accounts, anything that has a beneficiary designation of any kind to it this is an issue that needs to be taken into consideration. Okay, good. Uh, well, can you give us some specific examples of, of uh, you know, when when a minor beneficiary or minor would be named as a beneficiary? Yeah. Uh, so we we common here's a common where we see it where somebody didn't even give thought to it is they start a job and they they're filling out the paperwork and part of that paperwork is often going to be. Uh, naming beneficiaries as as your part of your 401k or retirement plan through work or your life insurance provided through work, and you know you, you typically will name your spouse if you're married, that's common, and then you you, don't, you haven't given a lot of thought to that sort of thing and you haven't sought counsel, so you you check these other boxes or the default boxes that are there will say otherwise if my spouse is gone it passes to my my descendants. Uh, sometimes we see this phrase per stirpes or by representation, so. And that's that's not necessarily bad planning, but it's it's going to leave potentially a lot of assets to children that you may not even have at the time you're filling out the form, uh, or they may be young at the time, and they may not be capable of handling the money you're about to leave them by default. So so it, it, we we could be we could have minor children as beneficiaries and not really even realize it. Yes, that's that's one of the red flags we see. Okay. All right. Well, so so why is that a red flag? Why why could that be a mistake? Um, I think uh, most most young folks. I, you know, I I like to personalize these things. <laughs> I like to think of me when I was sixteen, eighteen, twenty. Uh, you know, and and uh, if I were to be left a rather sizable inheritance at those ages, I don't think personally I would have made the wisest decisions with it. Uh, so most and most people I talk with when they're when they're pressed on that. No matter, unless they have the exceptional child, the rare exception, uh, children at those ages generally aren't capable of handling significant amounts of assets. So if you leave assets to a, 
a young person who's not capable of handling those assets yet, just due to maturity or other factors, or they have health needs or uh, uh, creditor issues, or maybe they're in a, a, a shaky marriage, all kinds of things that can come into play, leaving assets to, to minors uh, who grow into adults and, and end up having these problems that we didn't think through. So, but especially when they're minors, they're just not capable of handling those assets. And uh, they could end up with losing assets and having assets squandered that you intended to be there for their long-term needs. Okay. All right. Well, so I mean, you know, the, the way that the way we're talking about it is like, you know, a minor minor should never be the beneficiary. But that I don't think that's what we're trying to say. So, so when would it be appropriate right. for a minor to be a beneficiary? Yeah, that's that's a great point. And um, so, if, if there's if there's small amounts, so you know, we 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 work with folks who have very modest estates. Uh, uh, you know, I've worked with uh, relatives, you know, who've had small estates, and and they're leaving maybe ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars to a to a beneficiary. Well, that's it's pretty hard to justify setting up trusts or other complicated structures to hold assets for those. So, so there are there are default provisions at law. Every state has either the Uniform Transfer to Minors or Uniform uh, a Gift to Minors Act uh, available, and uh, that has default provisions at law that are they're kind of trust-like, where the court or you and your documents can name somebody to be the custodian of accounts for children who are under under the age in that state, which will vary state to state. Some some peg it at 18, some at 21. Those are the most common ages. But so you can kind of create a trust-like structure without the complications of a trust if you're dealing with small amounts in that, that way. So small amounts is one more area where it's appropriate. Um, as I mentioned earlier, occasionally you have the, the rare child. I, I think of some, some people I was meeting with here recently where they have a family of with four kids and they're all involved in a family business and even their 16-year-old who's, who's my own son's age is probably not quite capable, but he's, he's more capable than most 16-year-olds that I know. And so their two sons and their two daughters I think are more capable than most just because of the uh, the nature of the business they've run and helped their family run for several years. So that's a rare exception to my mind. Uh, my kids don't meet that, and I think they're they're not overly immature. But uh, I just think that's a rare exception that you have young people capable of handling that level of resources. And then another example that comes to mind is where it's, where it's appropriate and and even you know probably even required for uh, the minors to be named as a beneficiary is a, a rather new. Uh, technique in, in tax law, the Section 529 Education Savings Accounts will require a beneficiary to be named, and quite frequently that's going to be a minor beneficiary, and for example, if it's grandparents setting up education funding accounts for their children. So that we don't, you're right, we don't want to paint the picture that it's never appropriate to name a child as a direct beneficiary, but it certainly should be approached with caution, and, and I, think it, I think the decision should be intentionally made to do it rather than just accidentally doing it by default. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so I want to go back to to uh, you, you were talking about the UTMA uh, and and the Uniform Gift to Minors and Uniform Trust for Minors Act uh, that that maybe all states have. But so so well, yeah. What are the consequences? I mean, I I think if we can just like make make one, you know, let's do one specific thing of of what happens if if there's a life insurance policy that and you know whatever the amount, whether it's a a you know, where you're saying a modest amount, but you know, still twenty, thirty thousand dollars—that's a lot of money. Uh, that's still yeah. a big chunk of money for, you know, for anyone really. But um, but even even if it's more than that, you know, walk us through what would happen if if a 15-year-old 
got a, a distribution, let's say $100,000 from a life insurance policy, um, and it, it went to a 15-year-old. It was a 15-year-old was named for for whatever reason, and and you know, walk us through what would happen. Yeah. So so typically somebody's going to have named. You know, hopefully, parents have at least in a will or something named somebody to be guardians or or custodians of their children. Um, and and so the court in that case, if there's a probate, will will typically name that person to be a custodian of those accounts. And in this again, this practice will vary depending on the state and the jurisdiction and and the documents involved but uh but that's somebody's somebody's typically named who's who's an adult hopefully a responsible adult that can handle those assets and uh manage them for that child it's kind of like a trust as i mentioned it's it's held and there there are code provisions that that are going to make it clear that those assets are for the benefit of that child uh but it helps it helps the child be able to have those available for education and other purposes that they intended um, and then when they reach the age that their state provides, and I, I think Casey don't, I can't be quoted on this, but I'm, I think it's only one or two states that do not have Uniform Transfer to Minors Act now and still have the Uniform Gift to Minors Act. But uh, that's been a while since I've checked into that. But that's the overwhelming number of states have gone to the uh, the more uh, modern Uniform Transfers to Minor Act with either being 18 or 21. With, without those provisions, um, if somebody wants it withheld until 21, for example, that's that's not the option uh, if if it's not left in that kind of yeah. a fund. It can just at yes. 18, or maybe maybe younger, depending on the state. They may the child may be able to say, "I think I need a shiny new sports car. Thank you for the money." Yeah, because it's theirs. Whenever they turn whatever right. age that is, if it's 18, as soon as they turn 18, they have unbridled access and they they own it. That's their money. They can do whatever they want to with it. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, so if that is not the the ideal way to uh, leave something to to minors or to, to children, what are some options? What what can we do to to make sure that that doesn't happen? Well, so I, I know working with you and and the rest of our team and and I, we all tend to be fans of of trusts, not not in all situations, but more situations than not. And so you you can leave assets held in trust for beneficiaries, minors or otherwise, that can that can be a very thoughtful, intentional method of how assets will be managed, what they can be used for, and when they can be distributed. I when I get to dealing with clients on those things, I say, well now we need to talk about the who gets what, where, when, why, and how <laughs> and those kinds of questions that we walk them through. And so a trust can provide that uh uh, one I dealt with recently. Uh, it was again. It was that fa- actually that family that uh, has the family business. They're going to leave the family business in a trust for the lifetime for their kids because they see that as a I, we call we kind of refer to it jokingly as the cash cow. It's a it's a real estate business that that their kids can help manage under the tutelage of a trustee until they're old enough to do it themselves as trustee. But we'll always keep it in the trust because it's protected from creditors from potential future divorcing spouses from all kinds of things that could happen and it will always be an income stream for those children uh, based on the at least based on the experience the parents have had with it working with their kids um, they may decide in a different situation that no there's there's a younger age that's appropriate just to distribute it out to them or they can do different ages um, you can build in incentives I've I've drafted some pretty creative things over the years um, on uh, wanting to match funds that a child makes during college, uh, match you know, ma- pay out certain portions of 
college expenses if they're keeping certain grade levels or uh, you know all, all kinds of things. There are ways mm -hmm. to build incentives in there. So it's really a way to think about perpetuating your parenting style or your mentoring style and even into adulthood for some of those some of your children. Okay. All right. And, and, and that type of trust, you know, when some people think of trust, you know, we think other podcasts, we've talked about trust at more detail, but just, yes. you know, quickly, you know, a trust can be a standalone document or it could be just some language that's written into the will, uh, yep. in, in someone's will. Is that right? Yeah. So quickly, a, a trust created by a will is a testamentary trust. So it could be in there and it, it springs into existence at your death. Or it could be part, if you create a living trust, your living trust could say it continues on and just changes its form to hold these assets for the beneficiaries. Okay, good. So there's there's different options that people have. Yep. You know, if, if yep. you explore that and explore, you know, so, so you know, as I'm jotting some notes down as you, you've been talking, it, you know, the, you know, it sounds like, you know, minor, minors are not necessarily a, a bad thing to be a beneficiary of, of an account or of an asset, but it, it has to be the right situation. And right. Uh, there's there, there's consequences of, of minors uh, being named and, and receiving something as a beneficiary that that may be okay. Uh, that's that you know they may be capable of of handling that, and and yes. that's a case by case basis that that only. The, the parents or wh whoever is leaving those assets to a minor uh, will know. And yes. Um, so, you know, it, it, it all comes back to, you know, when we do an estate plan, it's, it's because we, we care about those that we are trying to help and we want to help them. Right. So we don't want a, something that we give them uh, an inheritance. Um, we don't want that to harm them. And yeah. so we just have to think about the consequences of, of, of leaving something to minors, and is that going to help them or harm them? And, yeah. and I refer to that to as uh, make sure it's right. So sorry, Casey. I refer to that as yeah, uh, we want to make sure, we want to make sure that we're leaving our our children a blessing and not a curse with what we leave behind. So absolutely, yeah. that's right. That's right. Well, well, Bill, thank you very much for this. It's very, very good, very insightful, and you know, I think it's something for us all to think about as, as we you know, not not you know, look at our current plans that we have and think about what we want to do to make sure that, that we, we are uh, blessing our, our beneficiaries that, that may be minors and, and not cursing them, as you say. So yes. thank you very much for that. All right. Thank you.